As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Atlantic and Coastal, the Athletics' new ACC podcast. I'm Andy Bitter, your host and a Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Athletic. Uh, thank you to everybody who's been listening. These uh, first five or six, I forget what episode we're on at this point, episodes of the podcast. Uh, we love your ratings and reviews on Spotify, on Apple podcasts it, it helps us get new listeners it helps us get the word out we just like to get the feedback from it uh, let us know what we're doing well what we're not doing well uh, i think the audience is growing this would help us grow it a bit more uh, we're not really gonna have a big intro on this one i'm gonna have get straight into it because we have matt fortuna uh one of our national college football writers for the athletic with us uh and he can talk about a broad range of subjects uh so without further ado let's get right into that conversation Okay, welcoming back to the show for a second time is Matt Fortuna, the National College Football Writer for The Athletic. Matt helped us kick off the show a month and a half ago when we were just debuting this thing. He must have liked us enough that he came back. Matt, thank you for coming back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. It's uh, It's been a very ACC, uh, ACC, ACC season so far, especially with the spotlight a little bit more to themselves uh, until the big time comes back this week. I feel like last week was kind of a missed opportunity that they have three teams in the top five and you're like oh man the ACC this is different that second tier teams they could challenge Clemson and then UNC goes out and then lays an egg against Florida State and Notre Dame doesn't look too good and now the Big Ten's coming back and the Pac-12 is going to start soon it's like man I feel like they just missed a window to like sort of seize the you know the bull by the horns there and say hey we're a conference to be reckoned with. I think North Carolina's earned their number five ranking about as much as Ohio State earned their number six ranking uh, through the season's first month. I, I, I'm i not going to say, oh, I thought they'd lose at Florida State and fall behind by 24 points at halftime. But if that doesn't show you that we need the Big Ten and even the Pac-12 to, to come back and give us some quality teams in the top five and top ten, um, I, I don't know what does. I mean, I, I, I think it's a brand name. It's a coach everyone likes. It's a team that's been really hot on the recruiting trail the last two years. And that put up big numbers, uh, and it's only real competitive game of note, or I shouldn't say only competitive game, BC game of run, but in, in their biggest game of note against Virginia Tech. Uh, but but there was nothing to really indicate to me that uh, that was that, that North Carolina was a, a true threat to be anything other than maybe a thorn in Notre Dame side for the second place team in the ACC this year. Well, let's start there. Let's start with the Tar Heels in that first game. Uh, what was the bigger fluke on Saturday, the Florida State win or the UNC flop? I think UNC's flop is more of a fluke because Florida State seems to have found something in Jordan Travis. I don't know what it is. His numbers don't jump off the page from a, a passing standpoint. Um, they were without Tamari and Terry, uh, one of their best playmakers on offense. Uh, they, they jumped out to early lead. But 
uh, even just watching Florida State the week before at Notre Dame in a game that I would never think I never thought they threatened to win, but but they played so much better than I think any of us had any reason to expect them to play. Um, when you look at a week before, when they probably lose to Jacksonville State if they don't make a quarterback switch, um, <laughs> it, it just seems like they like playing football together uh, under Jordan Travis, which I don't think you could say about that team really since the Jimbo Fisher Fisher era and in 2017. So uh, I, I'm I, I'm getting a little bit warmer on, on Florida State. I, I think North Carolina coming out as flat as they did in that first half is really disappointing. Um, with all the hype around them, with all the expectations there, to, to, to underestimate Florida State, which granted we, we've all done for three years now, um, I think it's disappointing because we saw in the second half that that North Carolina offense, uh, and to a lesser extent that defense, can play pretty well when they're clicking and when they're actually focused and trying. And to, to lay an egg the first 30 minutes like that in prime time uh, was very disappointing. I have been hammering Florida State as much as anybody out there. I've not given them any credit this year, <laughs> nor should I. I mean, they haven't played that well. But, uh, you know, I put them down there in the bottom category along with Syracuse, which seems you know downright insulting yeah, that, at this point mean. to compare them to Syracuse. Uh, have we been too hard on the Knowles considering – brand new coach this year you know they weren't exactly lighting up the the world under willie taggart before but they bring in a brand new coach this is the worst year to bring in a new coach and try to implement a you know new systems and things like that on top of that he contracts covid uh is out for uh did he miss two games or what one game I just guess. one just, just one game but still it's a disruption mm. to your coaching staff uh i mean these are a lot of things that are working against florida state i realize that he's not the only new new coach but uh that is a tough task uh to kind of get things together because like we said this team has not been a a, a smooth running train here in the last couple years this is a this seems like a difficult thing to turn around short answer is no i I don't think you could ever be too hard on florida state when you look (laughs) at just how poorly they've played over the last three years i mean you look at the talent on that roster it, they should at least be a threat every game other than Clemson because they recruit, I wouldn't say great by their standards, but better than everyone outside of Miami and Clemson right now in the ACC. And they still have uh, some high caliber NFL talent on that roster. But it's Florida State. I mean, even Mike Norvell got asked the moral victory question after uh, losing by 16 at Notre Dame. And he's like, no, like it's it's Florida State. Like we don't do moral victories here. What's he I, I supposed think... to say, though? He's, supposed to, he's not going <laughs> to come but out and say that. I, I don't think we bet too hard on them, though. I mean, you can't lose at home to Georgia Tech. You can't lose by 42 points to Miami, which, as good as Miami is, it's not like they're Clemson. Um, you can't be in real jeopardy of losing at home to Jacksonville State. Um, I know Jordan Travis was hurt in camp, and that's why he, he probably didn't get as fair a shake as early in the season as everyone else did. Um, and, and I'm not even sure how good he is, but something's different about that team with him under center. It just is. Like the, they moved better. They scored five straight touchdown drives against Jacksonville State when he came in. Uh, they held their own against Notre Dame. I won't call it a moral victory, but, hey, they covered. That's something, even if Notre Dame hadn't played in two weeks and half the roster was out until two days before the game. But, um no, I don't think we've been too hard on them. I mean, we're talking about one of the bluest of blue bloods in a conference that has been a one-team show for, for the better part of the last half decade. Um, if you can't at least be decent and above 500 every year in this conference, you really don't have an excuse, especially when you're Florida State. I would have respected Norvell more if he had come out after the Notre Dame game and said, hey, we covered, right? Not too bad there. <laughs> great, great, good teams win, great teams cover, yeah. The uh, – the thing about Florida State I thought was interesting is like they were just like rolling sevens in that first half. I mean, blocked a punt, pick six. I mean, everything was going right. Uh, you know, they still get outgained in that game, five fifty-eight to four thirty-two. And I realized UNC was in a catch-up mode, so they they were trying to to get the ball down the field as much as possible. Did not score in the second half. Uh, Florida State. Uh, is this the turning point we think it is, or are you watching that second half of that game and going? they're going to lose this thing. And, and if not for a couple drop passes at the end against UNC, uh, is it just even more misery right now? Uh, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, our, our colleague Stuart Mandel and, and I were, were texting throughout the second half, watching the live line go from like, I think it got down to two and a half. And this was a team that was up 24 at, at, at halftime. Uh, certainly they left you wanting more in that second half, but I do think, uh, especially for a first-year coach and for a program that, you know, not making excuses for them, but the fact of the matter is they haven't had any success really in the last four years. 
Um, for for the, them to get the payoff of that primetime win against a top five team, even if it's only a name, I, I think is very, very big and significant for them. Um, do they beat Louisville this week? I'm surprised Louisville's favored by, what is it, five points now, just because Louisville's a 1-4 team that also played its best game in a loss this past week, also against Notre Dame. Moral um, victory. I, I, moral moral victory. victory. And they're playing their old quarterback in Jordan Travis. Um, I think there's something for Florida State to build off here. I do. I mean, they've been so schizophrenic that I, I'm hesitant to, to go ahead and say, hey, they're going to win their next three games before they host Clemson on November 21st. But I think that's definitely possible um, when you look at the way they've played in the last two weeks. Uh, if, if they stay healthy, uh, if Jordan Travis could, could build off some things in the passing game and if they can continue to act like a program that wants to play football again to come back to the moral victory thing. I can't tell you how many times we've seen this team quit in recent years, particularly in 2018 when they played at Notre Dame. They threw a pick on the first pass of the game. Uh, it was it was freezing cold there. It was senior day for a Notre Dame team that was playoff bound. You just look at that Florida State sideline, you're like, they, they don't want to be here. And two weeks ago at Notre Dame, uh, they had a goal line stand late down 16. They were playing hard. Again, these are very, very small points. It's faint praise. I know Seminoles fans don't want to hear this, but you got to start somewhere. And I've just been very encouraged by what I've seen from, from a vibe standpoint coming out of that program ever since they made that quarterback switch. So I, I do think they have something to build off now that they have the payoff in, in the the big recognition from a big win against a top five team and maybe still the second best team uh, in the ACC uh, coming out of last week. Well, speaking of UNC, uh, did we kind of see this flop coming? I mean, it, it seems like when North Carolina gets really high in the polls, they have a performance like this. I did not because I saw them against Virginia Tech the previous week, and that offense looked unstoppable. Like, everything about it was just rolling. The, the running game, and granted, this is playing against a Virginia Tech defense that had a bunch of guys missing that factored into this whole thing. But uh, the only thing that stopped them was some drop passes against the Hokies. Uh, otherwise, they probably scored, could have scored 80 in that game. And, you know, I'm watching the Florida State game, and they just looked flat. Everything about them offensively just did not look like they were ready to come out and play that game. Uh, should we have seen that coming with North Carolina? A little bit. I think I, I think the outside kick from Virginia Tech did a good job of basically keeping the ball away from North Carolina for the entire hot. quarter. Yes. Um, it's interesting because, I mean, Virginia Tech's been really, really impressive to me, and I know that game uh, isn't exactly going to uh, go in the Hall of Fame for, for defensive play calling, but I believe that was Justin Hamilton's first game, right, as coordinator? It was. Yeah, he just got um, back. <laughs> sorry, Bud Foster. Like, we really missed you. Like, we didn't have a coordinator for our first two games, and, you know, or a coordinator's first game comes against a North Carolina offense that was clicking on all cylinders. Um, but I, I just did not see enough out of North Carolina uh, pre-Florida State to make me think that they weren't overhyped. I mean, they were a two-point conversion away from going to overtime against a BC team that also has a first-year coach and as uh, a roster that no one was exactly thinking the world of coming into this season. Um did, did I see 31-7 at halftime at Florida State? No, absolutely not. I don't think even the most optimistic of Florida State fans did. But I thought that was a, a danger spot for North Carolina. I did. Um, and, and even looking this week, I am shocked to see their 17-point favorites over NC State. I mean, That's that, a tricky game. That's always one where, like, the opposite of what you expect. Exactly, happen, exactly. And NC State, I mean, look, they're going to be without Devin Leary, but they have an experienced backup quarterback in Bailey Hockman, and they've played pretty good defense the last couple of weeks. I mean – they're no one's pushover. I mean, maybe Virginia Tech's, but <laughs> they haven't been anyone else's pushover so far this season. I mean, I, 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 I'm scratching my head wondering, you know, what am I missing with this Carolina team that even after uh, a loss in which they no-showed for a full half at Florida State, they're almost a 20-point favorite against a, a rival from down the road. Do you think they can still get back and or be in this ACC title game picture? I mean, North it's, Carolina. It's, it's obviously yeah, it's obviously Clemson, and then we're all talking about the number two spot. They they host Notre Dame, so I mean, if they're gonna if it's gonna come down to those teams, which I think it'll be more than those two teams that are involved, but they do get Notre Dame at home. They do get them a little bit later in the season. Uh, you know, do they do the heels have what it takes? You think to be in there at number two? I would say I've seen nothing from elsewhere in the non-Clemson portion of the league to make me think that they shouldn't be, right? I mean, it's still very much a Clemson and everyone else league until proven otherwise. And Carolina's talent stacks up pretty nicely uh, 
with everyone else. And they have that win over Virginia Tech on their resume, which uh, may come in handy down the line because I think Virginia Tech's on that short list of teams that could be fighting for, for second place in the ACC this year. Um, you look at that schedule, they avoid Clemson, they get Notre Dame at home, uh, and then they close at Miami. Excuse me, they close their ACC portion of their schedule at Miami. They do have a Friday game against Western Carolina, who I don't want to overlook uh, on December 11th. But I, I think they're certainly capable of, of staying in that picture for number two. Um, but I think there are enough red flags that were brought to light Saturday night at Florida State to make us second-guess ourselves about this being a formality and thinking that that Notre Dame-North Carolina game was simply going to be a playing game because Miami, I don't think, is going anywhere. Um, I mean, that, that loss to Clemson was no different than what everyone else you know experiences when they play Clemson year after year. It would not shock me at all if Miami finds themselves back in that ACC title game picture. And Notre Dame, um, no, they didn't exactly light the world on fire this past weekend, but they won, um, and I, I, I don't see them not winning uh, until they play Clemson on November 7th. So I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with still as well. Well, I, I wanted to say, speaking of overrated teams, uh, <laughs> Notre Dame. Number three in the country. I don't know what you're talking about. Number three in the country. I, in any other season, would this results that they've had so far this year? I mean, they've beaten teams that are a combined 5-16 and 16 this year. <laughs> And they have not exactly looked impressive doing it. I mean, the defense has been very solid, but, you know, did not light up the world against Duke. Uh, the offense obviously struggled uh, against Louisville last week. You know, if Ohio State is playing right now and, you know, Oregon is playing right now, I don't feel like we're talking about Notre Dame as the number three team in this country, in the country. Like, I don't know who you put there right now, just based on. I would have kept Georgia play. there. I mean, yeah, that might have made sense. Georgia's every bit as talented as Alabama. They just didn't play that well. <laughs> No one else is going to play Alabama that close until they play Clemson or someone in the playoff. What do we make of the Irish so far? Uh, it just it have not really dominated their opponents like you think they would with the kind of schedule they've played. No, they haven't. Um, it's been a weird year. I mean, I think it's been a year where you have a third-year starting quarterback. You have uh, – experienced offensive line with four senior starters there, um, all of whom started last year and who even um, in a not great game last week overall for the team, I think uh, you could still say is probably the best offensive line in the country so far. I know Pittsburgh's defensive line will test that theory this week. Virginia Tech's going to argue with you there. I think Virginia Tech wants to get in that conversation for best offensive line too. I mean, that running game's been very good. and That's been the biggest – the reason for optimism for Notre Dame for me is – uh, year after year, they've lacked uh, a big game tailback, much like Virginia Tech while we're on the subject. And we weren't sure they were going to have one this year, um, with the exception of maybe freshman Chris Tyree, who was a four-star, five-star by some services. But out of Virginia. They never, they never, that's right, and they never play freshman running backs or, or skill position players. They just don't. And not only has Tyree looked really good so far. Kyron Williams, who was a true freshman who ended up redshirting last year because he wasn't ready, looks like one one of the best running backs in the ACC. He's not Travis Etienne. He's not you know the best, but he's playing his way into that discussion uh, among the better backs in the ACC so far. Um, he carried the ball over 20 times last week, which you haven't seen an Notre Dame running back do that, and they really needed to do that um, to bleed out the clock at the end there where they went almost eight minutes to – end the game against Louisville uh, and converted a number of third down uh, plays. Um, the defense, as you said, is really good. Uh, they leave you wanting more. I mean, they, I don't think there's any argument from here. Uh, I'll read a couple stats to you that, that shows you just what they're missing. Um, and it clearly is in the receiving game. Um, Carter Carroll's of the South End Tribune t- tweeted after Saturday's game, all Notre Dame's wide receivers numbers combined through four games a season. 23 catches, 259 yards, two TDs. Chase Claypool through four games last season, 21 catches, 286 yards, one TD. I would add, through five NFL games, Chase Claypool has 17 catches, 335 yards, four touchdowns. Um, Here's an even more sobering stat if you're a Notre Dame fan from our friend David Hale at ESPN. Completions of 20-plus yards of wide receivers this year, Navy four, Notre Dame three. Um, The downfield passing attack has been non-existent. And it's led to a lot of questions, at least from the outside, about Ian Book and about what this offense is really capable of. And because they haven't shown it so far this season, I understand that. I'm edging close to the category of Ian Book apologist. I I think 
the guy's game has been picked apart way too much. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's never going to be Trevor Lawrence, and I think that's fine. Um, he wins football games. He doesn't turn the ball over. He makes almost all the right reads. Uh, he does what is needed to win football games uh, for this Notre Dame offense. And I can't help but think when you look at uh, the makeup of this Notre Dame team, you look at the makeup of the ACC, uh, I, I just think they're they're kind of holding their breath and just trying to get through uh, these next couple games before unveiling whatever it is they have in their bag of tricks November 7th against Clemson. Because uh, the interesting part of being Notre Dame is – They've never been a conference till this season, and when they are, it all comes down to basically a one-game season. They're going to be judged on can they beat Clemson, will they beat Clemson, and if they don't beat Clemson, do they have enough in the tank to survive and go, was it 10-1, and and get another chance at them in the ACC title game? Because you may have to beat Clemson twice if you're going to win the ACC this year, and I, I, I don't I, don't think anyone's really capable of that, but I think we're going to learn a lot about Notre Dame on November 7th. Um, it, it's been an unsatisfying season so far, but um, it's nothing that I'm personally panicked about just yet. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'll throw out a team comparison. Uh, Georgia last year, where Georgia had yeah. all the pieces. They had the quarterback back, the, the offensive line, the defense. They could run the ball. No receivers. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Bill Conley and his SP+. And he does uh, his preseason projections. And he says the biggest correlation of offensive success from one year to the next is re- returning receiving production. And Notre Dame just does not have that. And that's sort of like forecasted Georgia not quite being on an elite level last year. I say that about Georgia. They went 12-2. and two. <laughs> you know, pretty, pretty good season. Went to the SEC title game. Beat Notre Dame. They, they get up against LSU, and it's, you know everybody's struggled to keep up with LSU. But Georgia had no chance against LSU. Just could not score. Uh, you know, I'm with you on Ian Book. I think he's a, a good quarterback. I, I think he manages the game well, but you have to have some guys to throw it to. You have to be able to push the ball downfield, especially if you have any shot of competing with Clemson. I, I just I don't know that they have that. It's funny you bring that Georgia 2019 comparison because I was thinking that exact situation. Uh, Third-year starting quarterback, Jake Fromm, Ian Book. Both guys who I think 99% of college football players would take their careers when you, when you look at them, their body of work, you know, taking their team to the playoff, uh, having their teams in the playoff picture multiple years. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Georgia last year was basically Lawrence Cager and who in the passing game. Right. Notre Dame, uh, they have some good tight ends. Uh, they have Bennett Skoranek, a graduate transfer from Northwestern, who's good, but, you know, has been banged up for most of the year so far with a hamstring injury. They just got Kevin Austin back, who is probably the most talented receiver on the roster, but has either been hurt or in trouble throughout his career. And it's a sticky situation when you're relying on on someone like that to be the guy to bring you over the hump, so to speak. Um, And then there's Braden Lindsey, who's also a big game player, um, you know, capable of breaking the game open with with a couple of big plays, but he's also been hurt multiple times so far this season. So, um, it's interesting because I think this is a prime opportunity for Notre Dame when they're playing in a conference that, let's face it, they have an easier schedule overall, top to bottom, I think, playing in the ACC this year than they would with their normal independent schedule, especially in a year when they're playing Wisconsin or were supposed to play Wisconsin uh, up in Lambeau. Um, I, I think they're, they have enough talent on that roster and are coached well enough 
you know, top to bottom as a program that they can mess around a little bit and not pay a price in the form of losing a game the way they almost did last week against Louisville. I mean, I just think outside pre Clemson, I just I don't think they're going to lose to Pittsburgh. I, I, they're not going to lose to Georgia Tech. I mean, I think it's going to be two undefeateds meeting in Southbound on November seventh. Uh, it's interesting because this week is their first road game, and I think that could be something good for them. I know no one exactly wants to travel during these times, and Notre Dame, which already had you know one if not more out- outbreaks on their team, uh, where they had to postpone a game, uh, is a little antsy about getting on a plane and, and flying to Pittsburgh and going through uh, that whole procedure. But I, I think getaway is going to be good for these guys. I think you know they're a little bit too comfortable at home. They're a little bit too comfortable with an offensive line that. It's going to bail them out because they know they can just run the ball down everyone's throats whenever they want to, at least in this league. And I want to bring up a Brian Kelly quote uh, from yesterday. On the field after the game Saturday, um, he called the game a learning experience. He said he wasn't freaked out about anything. He said, you know, he's seen ugly 12-7 games, and that wasn't one of them. He thought his team did what they needed to win. He got asked to, uh, to expound on that a little bit yesterday, and he said, quote, they're extremely confident in their ability. Their preparation is outstanding. I mean, it's really good. They understand our process. We have to play with a bit more sense of urgency. And sometimes the clock's ticking, and you need to play with that sense of urgency from the very first play. And I think you learn about those things as we move along. And part of that is in the way I prepare them. As I mentioned, we got to be really careful and cognizant of how they're prepared. And they got to also understand that as elite players, turning up that sense of urgency is important as well. So we're all learning. I've got to do a better job of, of preparing them and coaching them, and they have got to turn up that level of urgency as well. They're extremely confident in their ability and their belief that they're going to win. They've won a lot of football games, but those are the things that we learn together as we shape the 2020 football team, end quote. I think that summed it up nicely. Um, it's a good team. Uh, chance to be a great team. Uh, they've lost one home game in the last three-plus seasons now. That was a one-point loss to a Georgia team that – came overtime away from winning it all that year. Um, and I just think they're, they're they're an old team that's probably a little too comfortable right now. And I think getting on the road and getting punched in the mouth by Pittsburgh's defensive line, uh, if you don't consider this past week a, a punch in the mouth, is going to be good for them to wake them up because I think then we'll see what they're truly capable of when they finally get pushed. You said that they're going to beat Pitt with the certainty of somebody who doesn't have to eat a, a spoonful of mayonnaise. Which, which I hate, I mean, by the way. <laughs> that You have that much confidence against Notre Dame. This seems like a game where Pitt has them right where they want Oh, completely. It, you know, Pitt has lost But two, we've been saying this since the schedule games. came out. I mean, look, I, Pitt's defense is good enough to force turnovers and give them a chance in pretty much every game. I mean, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Pat Narduzzi's Pitt's team. Pitt, Pitt teams beat number two Clemson in 2016, beat a Penn State team that that got as high as, as number five in, in 2016, ended UCF's regular season winning streak last season. And then they go out and lose NC State at home this year. Uh, they barely beat Syracuse at home this year. They lose at home to, to Miami and Boston College teams last year that finished with losing records. I mean, they, they are just all over the place, and this is the perfect opportunity for them to punch above their weight, right, to, to, to deliver that big – uh, national top five upset uh, th- that's going to earn Pat Narduzzi another contract extension and, and get all sorts of excitement going on in the Steel City again. I get that. I mean, I don't think you can underestimate Pitt due simply to the fact that they still lead the nation in sacks, and that's a really good defense that, that Notre Dame's going to be go- going up against. Uh, I think the fact that people like me and you have been saying this for over a year now probably, whenever this game was on the schedule, uh, is something that Notre Dame – uh, their coaching staff absolutely cognizant of and prepared for. I don't think, I don't know if the trap game element is there when every single person is calling it a trap game. Yeah, I was surprised. I, I, like in my memory, Pitt like always beats Notre Dame, but that's not true. Or, I, I looked no, no, up, they play them hard though. They I mean, play them they top. were a play away from beating them in 2018, and that Notre Dame team ran the table. Um, yeah, they, they've they've lost five of their last six to Notre Dame. I, I think is the stat. But, they, but I every, mean, tw- every game is close. Every 2012 was triple overtime. Notre Dame, or excuse me, Pitt missed a field goal that would have won it. 2013, Paul Chris, his second year there, um, they beat a good but not great Notre Dame, Notre Dame team quarterback by Tommy Reese, who is three zero against Pat Narduzzi. If you include Narduzzi's uh, time as a uh, coordinator at Michigan State. Um, it'll be interesting to see him them match their wits with one of them now calling the plays for, for Notre Dame. But the line opened at, I think, eight, which I thought was a little low. Um, it's up to 10.5 now. I think that might be a little bit high. But 
Um, I, I think Notre Dame comes out and looks like the Notre Dame team that I think a lot of us are hoping to see. Probably. I would, I would feel better about Pitt's chances if Kenny Pickett was playing and right. not Joey Yellen. Uh, don't Do we know exactly. for sure? I'm not sure exactly how that situation Narduzzi was vague. I mean, he said Yellen was, had established himself as the number two. So yeah. does that this, mean this would be needed? This would be such a Narduzzi special, though, to, oh to just throw the ACC into chaos like that. Uh, one team whose offense I am not worrying about right now is Virginia Tech. I have to admit, you know, I see them up close every week. Uh, I thought this offense was going to be pretty good going into the season. I thought they had some pieces there. I know uh, some people were questioning that. Our, our fearless leader, Stuart Mandel, has uh, done a mea culpa on Khalil Herbert. So, you know, he's, in the summer he was saying, you know, a Kansas running back transfer? Like, why are you guys getting so excited about this? It's like, oh, this is the reason why. Uh, this offense has looked outstanding for Virginia Tech. Are you buying the success that they've had so far? I think we have no choice but to – to be all in on them, right? I mean, they, they, I think they've looked great. And they had as rough of a go of it as anyone to the point where, I, and you could speak to this better than I could, I'm still not sure we've seen like this full team even together um, on a field yet. I mean, uh, they, look, they look good. They look really good. I mean, Khalil Herbert, what a revelation. I mean, that guy has been phenomenal uh, as far as a big game player, uh, a game wrecker, to steal a term from, from Brian Kelly, a guy who can just break a game open. Um, and give this offense uh, a threat out of the backfield and a big play threat that uh, – when's the last time they had that? Uh, David Wilson. David, yeah, David Wilson was yeah. the last 2012, right? Guy. I mean – 2011, it, yep. 2011, first, I'm sorry. That was my um, first year on the beat. My first half year on the beat was him. And then as a Giants fan, I, I, I got him, and then he had a medical retire, so that's – He had that one game against the, the Saints that will live on <laughs> forever where he had like 300 all-purpose yards, and he was flipping around in the end zone, and you're like, this is the future, and then, yep. you know – had the medical and it wasn't um i'm buying virginia tech right now Uh, i don't see how you can't um they they just look really really good on offense they're going to get better on defense through sheer numbers um through having more guys available and through having just a normal week of practice which i'm not sure they've been able to have yet either um i I like what i've seen through them so far um you kind of called it uh when we did this in the preseason you said i think you had them in number two or number three. I had them number the three. ACC. Number three. And then um, I backed off of it a little as all the, the <laughs> COVID cases mounted. I'm like, I don't know what to expect out of this team the first week. I should have stuck to my guns. What do you think's changed for not just Virginia Tech, but for this program, I guess, um, which had a kind of rocky last two years of it on the field? I think the biggest thing offensively is that this offensive line is as good as it's been in – 10, 20 years. I mean, I'm trying to find historical comps mm-hmm. with this group. And, it, you know, it was early a couple of weeks ago to make that comparison. But now they've run for 300 yards in three or four games. And you go, all right, this is pretty legit. And, you know, I take those pro football focus uh, grading things with a, a grain of salt because I don't really know what goes into that process. But they've had four different Virginia Tech offensive linemen on its team of the week. Uh, Christian Derrissaw has been on it twice. Luke Tenuta has been on there. Lasita Smith. And last week was Doug Nestor who made it. The only one who hasn't is center Brock Hoffman, who was the ACC offensive lineman of the week Mm -hmm. in the opener against NC State. So all five of the guys up front have gotten some kind of accolades this year. Uh, And, you know, I I think Khalil Herbert, obviously a great addition. But uh, the fact that they have finally fixed that offensive line, which feels like it was a decade-long process, uh, to get it back to this level has been the biggest story. And part of it, the big thing about that is like, that's why I don't think this is fluky is this just such a solid base of what their offense is going off of. And they were succeeding even before Hendon Hooker came back into a full-time starting quarterback role. And, and now with him back, I think that just takes this team to another level because I think the question that people have about the Hokies is can they throw it enough uh, to be successful in offense. And I think they can. They just haven't had to so far. Uh, if you look at Hendon Hooker's passing numbers, he's not a guy that's going to throw it up and down the field. He's not going to be a, a Sam Howell or something like that, but he's tremendously efficient with his passes. Uh, last year, if he had thrown, I think, four more passes, he would have been second behind Trevor Lawrence in the ACC in quarterback efficiency. This year, he he's obviously hasn't played enough because he, he missed the first couple games, but... <coughs> 
He's at 173 for quarterback rating, which, if it qualified statistically, would be second behind Trevor Lawrence in the ACC and it'd be a top 10 nationally. So I think people look at this offense and they go, well, they can run it with Hendon Hooker. Can they throw it? Yes, I think they can. Uh, they just haven't had really had to show that yet. So uh, it, it's an interesting team, and it, you know they have a couple more weeks here to t- sort of tune up before – you know, they play Wake Forest this week, Louisville after that, Liberty after that. Suddenly, that, that's good, undefeated good Liberty, Liberty with yeah, a win, win over ACC team. Already. They'll be unbeaten coming into that game because I think the only game they have between that is Southern Miss, which is. Isn't it refreshing, Andy, to have a, a religious affiliated independent that didn't join a conference and stuck to its guns in this year, 2020, <laughs> and beat right. ACC opponents? They can lord that over Notre Dame. It's like, well, we didn't have to, to lower ourselves to joining the conference like that. Uh, but bah, I lost my train of thought. But after that, they, they play Miami and Pitt, and they'll get some pretty good defenses, Clemson eventually as well. Uh, so I think there's a chance for this offense to, to really tune it up uh, coming in these next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm curious, in, in, in the non-Clemson division, would you say Khalil Herbert is the ACC player of the year if you remove those, those two juggernauts on the Tigers? I'm not sure I could think of anyone even close right now off the top of my head. And I'm sure I'm disrespecting a handful of worthy candidates right now. But every week it's something new with this guy. Um, he just makes big play after big play, and he does it in a different fashion, it seems like, every single week. Um, absolutely, I think, in the non-Clemson division, <laughs> which is everyone. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I, I think they are for real. I think, as you said, we still haven't seen the best of them yet. Um, now, it is a backloaded schedule. Um, which makes me fearful from the the old narrative standpoint of, oh, they're frauds. See, they just lost to Clemson and Miami, and Clemson beat them by a lot. Well, Clemson beats everybody by a lot. I don't think that makes <laughs> right. you a fraud. Um, they, they still have a chance to, to make the ACC title game. Uh, I will say, um, and, and some may accuse me of being an apologist for, for Wake Forest because I think no one's been underestimated more than Dave Clawson during his time there. Nine-and-a-half-point road favorite at Wake. I know they haven't exactly uh, excelled on the defensive side of the ball really in, in, since Mike Elko was there. Um, but that offense loves to get in shootouts. Um, they, they've kind of made a habit of having that 8 o'clock ACC network, ACC after dark uh, game in recent years where it's like 42-41, and no, now it's you know 49-41, and oh, they're coming back. I mean, uh, Kenneth Walker, I think, has proven to be a really good running back for Wake so far. Um, no disrespect to Jamie Newman, but I never thought they were going to miss him all that much because Sam Hartman was starting before Jamie Newman uh, two years ago. And that was a true freshman, Sam Hartman, who probably wasn't ready at that point, but definitely is ready now. Um, I, I think that could be a much better game this weekend than, than a lot of people are giving it credit for. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is returning to the scene of the crime here. This was this is the oh, first right. trip to Wake Forest since the infamous 6-3 to double overtime loss. Uh, it's not going to be six to three again. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna, that's my hot I'm take. I guess it'll be higher scoring than that. The over under is not going to be ten in this game. Uh, yeah, I, it's always interesting going to Wake Forest because they're sort of in this like Bizarro Lane Stadium because it's the same design with like the stair step uh, stands like that. I think Indiana is the same way like that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think this one has a, a chance to be a, a high scoring game that could be interesting because I, I think Wake is, is you know they lose to Clemson right away and everybody's like, oh, they're terrible. It's like everybody loses to Clemson by that they, much. They lost, quick, quick shootout, they lost a shootout. They lost a shootout. State that could have gone either way. I mean. NC State's a team that, you know, much like a lot of teams in the ACC, you know, it was week to week, depending on the mood, is either really good or really bad. Uh, I think Wake's been somewhat reliable in the grand scheme of things when you look at the ACC over the last four years. I mean, um, I forget what the, the preseason stat was, but they've outplayed their preseason ranking, I think, every single year. Uh, their, their preseason ACC poll ranking every single year since Dave Kloss has been there. So underestimate them at your own risk. I mean, they're, they're capable of knocking off pretty much anyone in this league outside of Clemson uh, on their best day. All right, I got two buy-sells for you of teams that are ranked right now for the ACC. Miami and NC State. 
Are you buying or you selling uh, either of those teams? I'll buy Miami. Um, again, I think we tend to overreact to what happens in Death Valley. I think if you're Miami, what happened in Death Valley should stay in Death Valley. Uh, you beat Louisville pretty soundly on the road. You beat the crap out of your rival Florida State, who may have been without their head coach and their quarterback, but you know it's still a rivalry game. You still got to get up for that. Um, there's nothing fluky about what happens when those two teams get together on the field. Um, I'm with Miami. Um, I, I am. Uh, I know it wasn't the, the smoothest of games this past week against Pittsburgh, uh, but when you look at the rest of that schedule, I mean, they got to go to Blacksburg, but they get North Carolina at home. Uh, I, I think they've got a very good chance to to, to make it to Charlotte. Um, in rep- well, I was going to say represent the Coastal, but represent everyone else, I guess, uh, in the ACC title game this year. What do you think of NC State? I mean, they're ranked. They're four and one now. Uh, this does not look like a team that gave up three hundred some rushing yards to Virginia Tech. They've been very stingy on the ground since then. It seems like they found something with Devin Leary, and now all of a sudden he's out right. four to eight weeks. Uh, a broken fibula and that. I mean, you look at the teams they beat: Wake Forest, Pitt, UVA, Duke. It's it's not a murderer's row of opponents that they've beaten there, but uh, they are ranked. They got UNC and Miami next. Is that are we going to find out exactly uh, what the Wolfpack are made of in these next couple of weeks? I think we will. I mean, I think every NC State fan listening to this podcast is probably thinking, "Oh, here we go again, Andy. You just gave us the kiss of death, right?" Like, I were, didn't give it. They're ranked. <laughs> I got to talk about them, right? They well, with the schedule coming up as well. I mean, that's kind of been Dave Doran's tenure in a nutshell, right? They've recruited really good players there. Uh, They've swung above their weight in some of those bigger games. They had multiple chances to knock off Clemson, even Florida State, um, d- during the Jameis year in 2014. Uh, but they always lose games they shouldn't. Uh, now, they did beat Wake Forest this year. They didn't beat them in, I think, four years coming into this. So that's a start. They, they should be beating Wake Forest every year when you look at uh, the, the infrastructures of both programs. But um, the Devin Leary injury hurts. It, it really does. I mean, that, that gives me a lot of pause on the moving forward. It doesn't. It's unclear if it'll be a season ender, but it's going to be season moster. I mean, or whatever. I mean, he's out four to six weeks at least. Um, it helps to have a guy with experience in Bailey Hockman. Um, but even the Duke game, they struggled throughout the first half of that game. Um, they've got not the easiest road ahead of them. I mean, I know they don't play Clemson, but um, much like NC State teams of recent past, you look at these next three games at North Carolina – versus Miami versus Florida State. And you can just as easily talk yourself into thinking they can win all three and they can lose all three. Um, I tend to lean more toward the latter with the questions of quarterback right now and with what we've seen from from Miami and Florida State uh, recently. Uh, I'm selling on them. I mean, once everyone's playing football at the Power 5 level, I don't think they're going to be ranked for long. I think they're going to lose this week. They, they should cover um, because I think that line's a little preposterous. Um, but but I... I I know better than to put my faith in that program uh, after being burned so many times before. I will say, while we're on the subject of NC State, we have to give a shout-out to Peyton Wilson. Uh, 19 tackles, two interceptions. His brother Bryce pitched a gem for the Braves in Game 4 of the NLCS. Uh, nice genes in that family. Yeah, pretty athletic group there. We are nearly 40 minutes into this thing. We have not really mentioned Clemson. Who? Clemson just a ho-hum 73-7 to win last week against Georgia Tech. The I mean, biggest the, win yeah, over one ACC team over another in the league's history. I mean, it's it's nuts. They're, Trevor Lawrence, I thought it was funny, 404 yards with the 404 yep. area code uh, in, in uh, Atlanta there. Five touchdowns. I mean, Clemson's putting its punter in in the second <laughs> half to play quarterback. Their backup quarterback is Hunter Helms. Are you a wrestling fan? Oh, Hunter Helmsley. Yeah, 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 Triple H. Yeah. I knew that uh, sounded familiar. I, I did. I put it out there. I said, I, his, Hunter Hurst Helmsley, me, right? Please tell me his middle name is Hurst. He came in, he threw two touchdowns. Uh, you know, I don't know if he has the pedigree to be a great quarterback there, or if he brought a sledgehammer into the game or whatever it was. I don't know what's better, the, that or Lindell Stone, number 36, a quarterback for Virginia. No, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take Double H. I don't know if he's Triple <laughs> H. He's definitely Double H. Uh, I mean, are they just bored at this point? I mean, they're putting their punter in to be the quarterback in the second half of a conference game against a, a team that had been a little scrappy in these first couple of weeks, and then they get up against Clemson. It's just like, no. I mean, didn't you hear Dabo no today? Do you not hear Dabo today, Andy? He said, we know better than anyone 
that Syracuse is capable of knocking us off. Syracuse was the last team to beat the last ACC team to beat Clemson, and they're going to play them really tough. They, in Clemson. Almost, they almost did it twice uh, with Chase Bryce at quarterback. But yes, they're bored. I mean, how can you not be bored? I mean, that, the, the stuff Dabo has to pull out of his rear end for, for motivational stuff. I mean, he said I think it was after last week's game against Miami where. I heard someone on game day say we might not be that good. I mean, he just has to make stuff up at this point. And it's probably a tougher job than it looks when you have a roster like that compared to everyone else in this league. They're absolutely bored. I mean, I don't know where the challenge is going to come for them outside of Notre Dame, which, to be fair, will probably be what the most worthy in-conference opponent they've had since, what, 2016 Florida State? With Alvin Cook and DeAndre probably. Francois, um, probably be the most hyped regular season ACC game. I mean, when's the last time two undefeated teams in the ACC will meet in November? That actually started in September, as they did this year. Man, you are trying to will that pit upset into existence. <laughs> which is upsetting. What I, the line on this Syracuse Clemson game is forty-five and a half. I think it opened at thirty-eight. What? How high would they have to put that for you to take Syracuse in this game? A team that just lost to Liberty 38-21 to at home. And like all doesn't doing, have a quarterback, doesn't have his best credit, player on defense. Yeah, credit to the Flames, but you probably should not be losing to Liberty by 17 uh, at home like that. What, what would they have to put the number at for you to actually put some, some of your hard-earned money on uh, Syracuse? 60, maybe? I mean, Georgia Tech. I don't know if there is a number. Georgia Tech played it within 66, so who knows? Syracuse beat Georgia Tech, Andy. Come on. That's right. That is right. <laughs> That is the one win there. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it'd have to be pretty high. It'd have to be at least above 50 for me, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it felt like when they played Louisville in 2018 during the, the tire fire last Bobby Petrino era, uh, last Bobby Petrino year uh, at Louisville. I forget what the line was, but it was probably similar. And I was thinking there's no line you can put on this game that I wouldn't take Clemson. And Clemson went out there and put up, I think, a 70 spot in that one. Um Clemson minus forty six all the way. I mean, I, I, what? I mean, the thing is, if they get their starters out early, that means they're not going to take their foot off the gas. They're going to have their backups playing hard because it's their opportunity. And their backups at this point, I think, I think a team of Clemson backups makes the ACC title game at least. Yeah, I'd say so. It, I, it'd be interesting to see a team of of, of Clemson against all stars from the rest of the league to see who would win that because. I don't know. I still might take Clemson. I, I think mean, I'll still the take, ACC They still have out. Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, not that interesting of a slate of, of games this week. Syracuse at Clemson, NC State, North Carolina, Florida State at Louisville, Notre Dame at Pitt, Virginia Tech at Wake, Georgia Tech at Boston College, UVA at Miami. Give me an upset out of that uh, of that group of games that, that you would uh, go for. You know, I, I look at every – I look at the ACC slate every week, and I think there are multiple upsets – that are primed to happen. I think Florida State can absolutely win at Louisville. Um, I think Wake Forest can beat Virginia Tech. Um, I think it's more likely that Florida State beats Louisville than Wake Forest beats Virginia Tech, but I, I think both are possible. Um, you think I've been trying to will this pit upset into existence. I'm not, but I'm curious to hear if that's the team you go with. Uh, but but I'll, I'll go, for the purposes of scorekeeping, I'll go Florida State uh, I- over Louisville. I think I would take the pit one just because I like that pit defense and I don't trust this Notre Dame offense. I could see it being another game like Louisville last week where it's like 12 to seven. And if that's a score, I mean, anything can happen in a low scoring game like that. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to put, I, I too, cover, I don't want to put I, too much faith in pit though. I covered a 15, 12 Notre Dame win at Pittsburgh in 2011. So it's going to be close and it could very well be ugly. That's uh, Todd but, Graham's speed speed show uh during his one year in steel city his yeah, dream the, job. U- the uglier it gets the the more i would like pitt's chances on that i probably would take them uh plus 10 and a half though for sure that's fair uh notre dame's offense hasn't really shown anything to, to prove to anyone that they're capable of taking care of business and, and sh- making this not a fourth qu- a four quarter game which it probably will be but uh I just think they're they're so much better than they've shown, and they're going to get a breath of fresh air once they finally get out of their comfort zone. Um, I think they've been all been a little bit too comfortable there in South Bend. 
and they they, they need to be challenged. Um, much like Clemson does. I mean, what what do you do if your dad you, you play Syracuse and Boston College before you play Notre Dame? Like, how do you keep your team engaged? I I don't know. I think they asked Trevor Lawrence to play left-handed, see if he can handle it that way. Well, I think that's all we got here, Matt. We, we've run the gamut on the ACC. Uh, are you going to be at a game this weekend, or are you going to be uh, taking it all in from the couch again? I'll take it all in from the couch. That's um, the way to do it. That's the well, best way to do it. In Illinois, I mean, pretty much everywhere is on the quarantine list, so I don't know if there's anywhere I could go now. I'm 20 minutes from Northwestern, which hosts Maryland uh, under the lights. Pass. Hard I, pass. I will pass uh, on that one. Uh, if it was Michigan or Ohio State, maybe I'd get in my car and go, but... Um, I, I like the multi-screen setup that's going to get um, even more juice this week now that we have Big Ten football back as well. Well, everybody go out there and follow Matt for his thoughts uh, this weekend at Matt underscore Fortuna on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure you'll write something uh, off of that, uh, all the games you watch afterwards. But, the by the way, I just figured out the, the way Dabo could keep his team engaged. Okay. He tells Trevor Lawrence if he keeps this up, he'll be a Jet next year. That'd be pretty rough. That that would be enough for me to come back for another year of school, I think. I mean... Pretty rough. It's really hard to be the worst NFL team in MetLife Stadium right now when you have the Giants there, and yet the Jets have managed to do it. Yeah, that whole, uh, whole Northeast corridor not having a great year no. uh, football-wise with the NFC East there. Well, Matt, thank you for coming on again. You've uh, joined Grace Rayner in our two-timers club uh, on the podcast here, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from you plenty of more times this season. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Andy. Okay, thanks to Matt for coming on for a second time and talking to us. Always great insight on the league and, and going through every team there. Uh, definitely follow him on Twitter this weekend. He'll, he'll be in front of a TV uh, watching all these games and, and giving thoughts about the entire ACC. That's at Matt underscore Fortuna. Uh, you should be following him anyway, not just for that reason, uh, for all the articles he writes on The Athletic. That's going to do it for this show. Uh, thanks for joining us again. Uh, I'm looking at the ACC schedule next week, and it's a pretty meh schedule. Not, not too many great matchups. So I'm going to try to get a mailbag form up on the on the website get a little reader reaction from you guys allow you to, to ask me some questions if there's stuff you don't think i'm talking about enough write it in you know let me know about that if you have some really good questions about the league send that in if you just want to vent to me about stuff do that too we always love that kind of stuff uh look for that on the athletic sometime this week i'll tweet it out we'll get a, a nice form up there for uh, subscribers to be able to ask questions on that uh, which leads me to this. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, now is a great time to do so. Uh, you can listen to this podcast ad-free on The Athletic. We have some deals over there right now that you can sign up. Uh, go to theathletic.com slash pod and check those out. If you listen to us for free on Apple and Spotify, we love that too. Stitcher as well. Go there, rate us, review us, give us some feedback there. Uh, it helps us get some more followers on the podcast, uh, help us grow our audience that way. Uh, that's going to do it. I'm Andy Bitter. Follow me on Andy Bitter VT uh, for my thoughts on Twitter uh, throughout the week. I'll be at a game this weekend as well, but I like to tweet about the ACC every now and then as well. So enjoy the games this week. We'll be back to talk to you next week. <laughs>